0: Hey guys, if you want to support the Dental Marketer podcast, then the best way you can do that is by checking out our sponsors. Just scroll all the way to the bottom of the show notes and you'll see something you need in your practice. If you need phones or a phone system or VoIP service, then Mangle Voice is giving startups completely free services. Or if you're an up and running practice looking to switch phone providers, then they're giving you three months of service completely free with free phones. Or if you're looking for an all-in-one cloud-based dental software, Carestack is giving you one month for free plus 10% off your annual subscription plus 50% off your setup fee. And Dandy, the fully digital US-based dental lab is giving you a completely free wireless three-shaped trio scanner and $250 in lab credit. Guys, just scroll all the way to the bottom of the show notes in this episode to check out these exclusive deals from our sponsors and to find out more about them. All right. In this episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Andrew Vallow.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty transparent. I, I, I did post on a Facebook startup group, you know, kind of our numbers. because so I wanted to show people what's possible. And, you know, I'm, I'm a really big proponent of the abundance mindset. Like, there are so many patients out there. There's so much dentistry to do. If, if you just treat people well, build your brand, you know, market well. If, if you spend the money on the right things like marketing and, and things that actually have a return on investment, anything's possible. I and mean, you don't have to be one of those startups that kind of struggles for years to, to become a full-fledged practice. So we, we went from zero patients in April of 2021 and by April of 2022, uh, we had done 1.4 million in, in adjusted production. Uh, I think our collections at that point was like 1.1 1. 1 something. So, you know, we again we we had a few hundred thousand dollars in AR, still do uh, some of it good, some of it bad that we need to clean up. But e- either way, it was it was that quick jump start that made me feel comfortable to kind of do another startup, and that has me feeling comfortable to to do a couple more startups here.
0: does this guy impress me he is smart but he is a go-getter and does not mind putting in the grit to get things done i mean he found an office in tampa originally but then the sellers backed out of the deal but andrew said well you know what we'll figure it out let's just move there and they did then he decided to do his own startup and went with ideal practices for help with the startup process And so he talks to us a little bit about that process of how, um, why he decided to choose ideal practices for the startup process to help him with that. But get this guys, eight months later, after opening his practice, he opened a second location. Now we dive into the details of the startup process in the first office and the second office, and he lets us know how banks don't like it when you start opening multiple practices. So listen to his advice on this and how to work your way around it. His first year, he did around $1.4 in adjusted production and is currently getting around 200 new patients a month. So hear what he did for marketing and advertising and how he had to adjust during the different phases of his startup. And I like how he mentions you can't be afraid to annoy patients. This is so true, especially when you're following up with them, when you're asking for reviews or referrals. Can't be afraid to annoy them. He also lets us know some things that he figured out that work well and what he feels he needs to still work on or better in his practice. And we also talk about some of the road bumps that are expected along the way. And right now he's on track, guys, to opening up two more practices pretty soon. So listen out for that. So growth is happening for Andrew. So guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Andrew Ballow. Andrew, how's it going? Hey, Michael. I'm, I'm doing great. How's Monday treating you so far? Monday, it's been... Like I told you, we were talking a little bit before this. It's been a hot one, like already, you know what I mean? Went outside, little run, and then I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be one of them days where we got to start early. What about you? Going well, yeah, I guess you're
1: West Coast time, so like 9 a.m. right now, and I'm, I'm in, in the East Coast, so it's like noon lunch time, but it's, it's been good. I've had a couple of interviews. I'm actually hiring, in the process of trying to hire three different team members for two offices, so that just needs a lot of my weekends hours, Zoom calls and things like
0: that, but. Yeah. That's interesting. Are you able to find a good amount or?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I know a lot of the country is kind of dealing with uh, hiring issues right now. I would say maybe right now, Tampa is a pretty booming market. So maybe that is kind of helping out. We're pretty close to the city. So I feel like the applicant pool might be bigger. Um, But also just some of the tactics I use, you know, the, the ads I put out, they don't look like your average dental ad. And then you know, we, we compensate pretty well. We offer some cool bonuses and incentives and stuff like that. So I, I personally have not really had an issue finding applicants. It's just making sure you you find the right ones for your team.
0: How do your ads look like?
1: (laughs) So they basically start out and they ask a bunch of questions like, are you interested in joining an amazing office with a great culture where the whole team likes coming to work every day? And, You know, would you like to support an office that supports the Humane Society of Tampa Bay with our No Hungry Pets program? Are you interested in making full time pay on a four day work week? Just like I basically asked them like five questions off the bat. and I feel like that kind of draws people into our ads. So, yeah,
0: I feel like that, at least to me, I'd be like, yeah, like to all of that. You know what (laughs) I mean? So like, where does the funnel shorten? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, you know, I, I kind of once we kind of draw them in and we talk a little bit
1: about position, you know, the, the requirements, what we're looking for. Uh the nice thing about Indeed is it lets you put qualifying questions. So the longer I've been doing this, the more qualifying questions I put. So I usually have like six or seven qualifying questions to make sure like they fit the criteria I'm looking for, you know, in, in my next hire. And uh, you know, the the people that don't wanna fill out those little questions, they just automatically get rejected because if you can't take five minutes to answer a few questions, then you're obviously not a good fit for us. Um, but it, it helps. I mean, it, it definitely helps us narrow down the pool because, you know, otherwise I might get a hundred people applied for a job. And obviously I don't have time to sit through a hundred interviews or a hundred resumes for you know, different jobs we have. So.
0: Yeah. What are the, the qualifying questions? How do those look like? Same ones or no different?
1: Uh, no, that, those are more like, what, what am I looking for? So like how many years of experience do you have doing this position? And, you know, depending on the position and the time I'm hiring it, I might be looking for someone with two years experience, five years experience. And if they don't answer, you know, at least the number that we're looking for it automatically sends to our rejected file. I'm looking for my implant office. I want someone who already knows how to take a CBCT because we're just looking for a long-term temp we don't really want to have to bring them in and train them on some of the stuff we're doing. So that's one of the qualifying questions. Do you feel comfortable taking a CVCT on a patient? So, I mean, there's, there's just kind of, kind of different things like that. You know, are are you available to work these hours? Are you able to commute to this address? You know, like kind of questions like that. So sometimes they'll weed themselves
0: out or or it weeds them out for me. Gotcha. Okay. And so from that point on, when they fill it out, like that takes energy, right? Like that, oh my God, they got to fill it out. More qualifying questions. Then at the same time, if they're the, they answered the right way. I mean, is there any part where you're like, oh, that's not the answer I'm looking for, but I'm still going to take a interview with them. Yeah. So
1: I mean, and deep gives you like, I sponsor these job posts. So that's the other thing. Like you got, you got to sponsor the job posts. If you try to do the free ones, you're not going to get enough applicants, but Indeed, it gives you like 48 hours to reject a candidate. And if you do that in the first 48 hours, they'll find they don't charge you for the application. So there'll be times where like someone's maybe not a perfect fit, but if I don't have a lot of applicants I'm looking to hire quickly, I may still accept them and like kind of read them there and, and, you know, kind of see who else comes in over the next 24 hours before I either reject them or decide to offer them an interview type of a thing.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. All right. I know we just got into it, but like, Rewind a little bit and tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I I, uh, I went to dental school at Ohio State University. I graduated in 2016. It was actually interesting because I did my undergrad at Michigan State, so I had two Big Ten competing school experiences. To the dismay of most of my dental school buddies, I'm still a Michigan State fan at heart. So that's that's my team's party. I, when I graduated, I did public health for the first like three and a half years. So I was living in Columbus, I was commuting about an hour and 15 minutes each way, five days a week. I had a Saturday job at a corporate office for about a year. So I was doing like five and a half days a week. You know, at that point, I think I just wanted to do as much dentistry as I could get my feet up, my skills up, you know, try to make a little bit of money. But it burns you out pretty quick, especially with the commute. And, and I, I pretty much knew right from the get go that my eventual goal was to own a practice. I kind of looked at different opportunities between Buying an office, starting an office. And around that time, my now wife and I decided we wanted to get out of the cold. We moved to Florida. So I actually found an office I was going to buy in Tampa Junction with our move. We had already sold our house in Ohio. We already had a deposit down for a lease in Tampa. And then, like the 11th hour, you know, after we had a signed LOI and everything else, the sellers backed out. It was like a husband, wife, and wife, I don't know if she just wasn't quite ready to retire or or whatever it was. I mean a few little negotiation points that she just didn't want to budge on at all. But they backed out of the deal. So my wife Deanna kind of looked at me and was like, what are we going to do? You know, are are we still moving there even without like you having a job or whatever it is? And I was like, Yeah, like we we wanted to move for a while. We'll figure it out. Like I'll just I'll take a job down there and you know I'll start looking for either another office or to do a startup and I I pretty quickly decided, you know what? I don't want this to happen again where, you know, my feet's in someone else's hands. So I was like, I'm just going to do it my way. I'm going to do a startup. Uh, I actually, I signed on with Ideal Practices, startup consultants, like as I was getting ready to move to Florida. So we kind of started the preliminary sequence of events and I started looking for a space to build my practice, like basically right when I moved down, which was August of 2019, Um, And I I worked for, you know, an office as an associate during that time where I was trying to find a space and finding a space and, you know, getting a lease signed, starting the floor plans, kind of that that whole process. I was just working for another dentist kind of right up until the very end. I basically quit my associate job like the day that I opened uh, the Dental Boutique West Shades, which was April 13th, 2021.
0: Gotcha, man. So then, I mean, you opened that. Today... Where are you at today? So that office got off to a pretty quick start and in
1: December of 2021, so about eight months later, I opened my second office, which was also a startup, uh, and that one is Best Value Dentures and in Implants. So I kind of wanted to build two different brands. The Dental Boutique brand is a general dentistry office. We offer most, most types of dentistry there, and you know, obviously hygiene, and we're kind of going for that patient experience and more a more boutique type of feel. And then the best-selling ventures and implants. We essentially just do implants, implant ventures, all on four cases. Um, I, I opened that with a partner who's a periodontist. So I'm kind of our business partner, managing partner, and he's like our clinical partner. Neither one of us actually work at the office. We just have like a super GP in there who's you know, doing all the the implant work for us. So,
0: so that was you opened that with a partner just recently. Like on purpose, you didn't think you can do it on your own or like, it was like both of you guys decided we're talking and you're like, Hey, let's do this.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, Michael, I I probably wouldn't have done a second startup so soon if, if it wasn't for the right circumstances, but my partner is actually kind of my neighbor and we went to the same gym. And so we, you know, just be talking as we were at the gym. And the one day I said because honestly, I had never placed dental implants. So it's kind of funny that I own this office that only does dental implants but, you know, we were talking about, we were talking about my office and, you know, kind of how things were going. And, you know, I said to him, I said, hey, you know, you're a periodontist. You work in a few offices. You guys, you know, don't take a lot of insurances and have higher fees. Like there's this whole market out there for people that really want dental implants. There's there's a huge demand for it. What do you think about creating an office together that offers dental implants at more affordable pricing? Um, and we can kind of capture that into the market. And, I mean, obviously there's room for, you know, Nordstrom as well as Walmart, you know, and, and not that we're trying to cut up quality, but like, if we can figure out how to keep our overhead down, we don't offer hygiene. We don't offer other dental services. We're basically just operating dental implants. I bet we can make it work. And, uh, he, he loved the idea. I honestly thought he'd think I was crazy, but he's like, yeah, man, let's, let's do it. And, uh, we just happened to very quickly, that was like, that was like August of 21. We had this discussion and, by October we had a lease signed and by December we were open and seeing patients. That, that, that was a very quick kind of renovation. We actually found an old dental space that the dentist is no, no longer in. And so we just kind of revamped the space for our use. So
0: did you go with ideal practices for that too? Or now nah, You didn't There there's nothing for that. No, I, I did I was I was
1: still doing their like mastery programs. They've got like a mastermind, you know, after you start. So they did kind of help me with some of the stuff with the some of the insurance uh, credentialing and things like that. But at that point, I I pretty much knew what I needed to do to kind of get the office open. So
0: yeah, man, I thought it was like a like a business partner for a long time. or something. But you know what? If you can trust somebody, to, if you're like benching two twenty five, what three fifteen, and you're like you're in my spot, or this is my life in your hands, you can trust them. <laughs> then you can trust them with opening uh, a business. Okay, man. So like we a little bit. The sellers backed out of the deal when you were gonna move. Why did you not just kind of play it safe and be like, let's just stay a little bit longer, find a good acquisition, let's take our time with this?
1: You know, once I get my mindset in something, it's very hard for me to kind of not pursue that any longer. So, like once once I had said, you know what, I we're moving to Florida, I didn't want somebody else to make us not move to Florida. You know, it's it's like you kind of. At the end of the day, you hold the control to make all the decisions that you want to for your life. And we had already decided that getting to warmer weather, being closer to the beach, you know, I decided as wanting to be a future business owner, going to a statement you know, of state income tax would be a nice thing for us. So it's like, hey, we don't have kids yet. If we're going to make this move, you know, a thousand miles away, we should do it now. Now's the time to do it. And we'll just kind of figure everything else out along the way. And, and I mean, honestly, if, if you're had a mindset to do something you'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, I like that, man. I like that. And I know this is like a, a topic, a lot of uh, people who are thinking to do startups or acquisitions, even, but mainly startups um, to kind of discuss uh, ideal practices, right? Or do I go with a consultant or is it breakaway? Like I've already went to breakaway seminars. Why do I need it? So talk to me a little bit about that. Why did you decide to go with them?
1: I'm a big believer that, you know, I am not the smartest person out there. And when it's something that I don't have a lot of experience in doing myself, like I'm going to bring on the expert to, to kind of help me do something as well as possible, especially something so big as starting my first dental practice. So, you know, when I, when I graduated dental school and I was doing that commute, uh, you know, out to Shelby, Ohio, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, I was listening to these podcasts, you know, the Dentalpreneur with Dr. Mark Costas and uh, Bulletproof Dental. Um, I started listening to Shared Practices. So there there, there are some, you know, other great dental podcasts out there that I had discovered at that point in time. And I feel like I gained a lot of knowledge from these podcasts, but at the same time, there's a difference between knowledge and actually implementation. Um, and, you know, could I have figured it out on my own and, and open this practice? I'm sure I could have. Would I have made more mistakes along the way? Would I have been at the same place that I was when I opened with ideal? Would I have these, you know, other delays or other issues? I think it's very likely. So, you know, it's one of those things where like looking back, especially for my first practice, I'm, I'm really glad that I brought on the consultant that kind of had all the resources to, to help make sure that I opened my practice the best way I possibly could.
0: Gotcha. So that covers like the, why we need the consultant part, right? But, the ideal practice part? Like why them?
1: I did go to a breakaway. I, I did talk to them because they also offer fairly similar services at that point in time. I just, I don't know, I, I guess maybe I got a better feel about the people with ideal. I guess, you know, going back to that trust thing, I felt like I, from having the, the conversations, the meetings, you know, the interviews that I did prior to signing on with ideal, I felt more comfortable putting my feet of my startup in their hands than I did in Breakaway at that point. But those, those are really the only two consulting services I looked into because at that point from what I had heard or obtained, like they were the niche areas for a dental startup. And I wanted to bring on a consultant who it's like, Hey, like, this is what they do. They do dental startups as opposed to just a, a general dental consultant who maybe be helpful. Some startups, you know, at, at different points in time in their career. So
0: Got you. Okay, man, that's awesome. So then you, we'll dive into the the dental boutique, right? Of West Chase. Yep. And that was you only had it for eight months, and then you decided to open up a second office, right? So talk to me. How first and foremost, what bank did you decide to go with for your loan?
1: So the dental boutique West Chase, I uh, used Wells Fargo. So that was that was the first startup loan. Um, and then the Best Value Ventures and implants, we use Huntington Bank. So now we're kind of talking with a number of banks, including those two about getting our next loan for the next offices. So I, I will tell you that only gets tougher, you know, to, despite whatever track record you may have, even when you feel like all the numbers make total sense, banks don't love it when you just keep kind of opening offices. So that's, that's kind of something I'm, I'm working on securing our financing right now. But one thing I've realized looking back as we're talking about banks is that if you're interested in owning multiple practices, if you can find a bank that does partner with dentists to grow and expand and, and kind of form, you know, group practices and, and small DSOs, if you stick with the same bank for your different loans, it's a lot easier because now the banks are like, yeah, we can help you, but we have to buy out this loan from you know, Huntington's. Like, yeah, we'd have to buy up your loan from Wells Fargo if we're going to give you another loan, and unfortunately, you've got pretty big prepayment penalties. So it's like, ah, oh, do I, do I? Do $30,000 in prepayment penalties only let Huntington buy out my loan now? Or do I go the SDA route? and I'm going to have similar fees, higher interest rate, and, you know, more hoops to jump through. So, you know, hindsight being 2020, I wish that I would have went with the same bank for the first two loans. I think, you know, at that point, it might be easier to stick with that same bank moving forward here. So
0: gotcha. out of those two banks, which one would you wish that you went with? <laughs>
1: Um, you know, let's, let's just say that no matter what bank you go with, there's going to be red tape, there's going to be issues. Uh, I'm I'm not always the most patient person. So when I need something funded, when I, you know, when I need an invoice paid and I'm not getting a response right away, it gets frustrating. So, you know, I, I probably had little minor issues with both banks, uh, at different times during the startup process, but I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't think that's Something specific to those two banks. I think any bank you go with, especially the bigger banks, they've just got so much regulation, so much red tape, so much hoops to jump through. Um, so which which one was better? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a toss-up. Like,
0: got gotcha, you, got gotcha, you, man. Okay, so then, and really quick, these two other practices are they also going to be like general, not really boutique, special? So.
1: I am building on the brands we've already created. So basically the the two offices I am now are about five miles from each other. You know, we're we're on like the northwest side of Tampa. The next area we're targeting is on the other side of the city. It sits about 40 minutes away. My plan is to actually put one of each brand in the same space. So we're going to have some shared physical space. We're going to share like a sterilization area, we're going to share a break room. Um, and by having some shared spaces, we can actually put 13 operatories in two different offices in a, in a 4,000 square foot space. So that's, that's what I'm working on right now with my floor plan designer to figure out exactly how to best utilize the space to kind of make that happen.
0: Gotcha, man. Is there, was this always the vision? Like, you're like, I'm going to have multiple practices. When you were in dental school, you were thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to own and I'm going to have a ton or no. And then. I, I think when you listen to as many dental podcasts
1: as I have, and you hear some of the very accomplished people in dentistry, uh, there's there's a lot of wavering back and forth. I mean, you know, you, you hear about someone that did five practices, or ten practices, or fifteen practices, and you know how how great it was, how organized and systematic they were with their growth, and you're like, hey, that sounds really cool. I'd, I'd like to do that. And then you hear about someone that, that built a mega practice, you know, like Dr. Craig Slodak down in uh, Delray beach where, you know, I don't even know how many operatories he has 20 something. Um, and you're like, Oh man, that, that sounds really nice. to Just kind of have one giant practice and keep everything in house. So, you know, I, I think my goal was always growth. I, I don't know if I necessarily knew how I want to do it, whether it was a bigger kind of mega practice or multiple practices, but I just think because when you're doing startups, you're, you're typically pretty limited with how much space you can, you can build out just because of how much you can actually get in lending. So I kind of maxed out that dental boutique practice at seven operatories. We now have all seven up and running. We've got three hygienists. I'm bringing on a full-time associate to work with me. So, you know, that, that practice is very quickly kind of getting to its maximum potential. So without actually moving it to a bigger space, my only other option was to do another practice and, um, I don't know. For for me, I I feel like especially in the in an area that's growing, I would rather kind of have strategic practices in different locations of the city than try to just put all my eggs in one basket and just grow some kind of mega practice. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's nice, man. I like that. Okay, so then best forward to get back to where we're after your loan, real quick. How much was your whole build out for Tintel Boutique Bushes?
1: I want to say my total build out came to right around three hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so um uh, honestly it was it, it, I, I got a couple of bids and so I would say this was one of the advantages of working with ideal practices is they actually had a preferred contractor. Um and he, he came in about forty thousand dollars lower than the other two contractors I bid out. So honestly, with the loan I got, my my landlord was not willing to give any TI money. So I, I got a gray shell. Uh, and you know, my other bids came in closer to like 340, 350. With no TI money, with, with the loan, you know, and all the other expenses going into it, it would have been really tough to have gotten the project done at that $340,000, $350,000 bill out mark. So like having a contractor who came in lower and still did a great job, like that was, that was huge for me.
0: Yeah. Was there any like delays or anything like that? Like major, major delays? Yeah. So we signed a lease uh, in June 21, which was kind
1: of like, right kind of still when COVID was early on. Um, you know, it was about a month after the shutdown in Florida. So, you know, dental offices had just opened back up. I was just back patients. Unfortunately, at that point in time, permitting was like super delayed, you know, all, all of the Sydney officials and everyone was like working from home. Uh, so our permitting, which I was told would take like two to three months, took like six months. So that that was a major issue. And then like Literally, I think we got our permit like the week before Christmas. So he's like, well, you know, my guys aren't going to be working over Christmas. <laughs> so we basically got started. They got started on my build out like right at the beginning of January. And we started seeing patients, you know, mid-April. So, I, you know, January, February, March, it was, it was about a three-month build out period at that point from, from the gray shadow of the finished office.
0: Yeah. And man, and you were saying how like you want things like, you know what I mean? Like, I want things now, man. Come on. Like, yeah. To, and I'm waiting for that to happen. Uh, man, that's stressful. That's stressful right there. Patience is
1: a virtue that I've been working on, you know, and I think as a startup practice owner, you know, as a a newlywed, things like that, I've got my wife and my business kind of teaching me to try to be a little more patient, but it's tough because, you know, like I said, once I get my mindset, it's like, I just want to go, I want to make it happen. And, you know, right now with these new practices, I've got some of the banks telling me, oh yeah, we can, give it another year and we can help you when we've got, you know, more track record at your current practices. and like, yeah, I don't really want to wait another year that I, I want to, I want to do it right now. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense, man. So then right now, are you accepting all kinds of insurances? Is it, are you planning to go fee for service or how does that look like?
1: So my dental boutique brand, the, the general office, we, we pretty much network with most of the PPO's like through umbrellas, like Carrington and Zealous and things like that. We we don't take HMOs or Medicaid there. The implant office we also take most PPOs. We don't take HMOs or Medicaid. But honestly, for the procedures we're doing, the all-in-four cases, like most patients aren't using insurance. So you know we've we've got a much we've got a much higher like cash rate at that office. Very low insurance rate. And honestly, for the next one of those offices, we might be like out of network PPO providers. I just think with the Percentage of our patients actually using insurance there, it, it probably doesn't make sense to to go through the hassle of it. For the Dow boutique brand, though, I mean, growing a general dentistry office, what you know, fee for service. I mean, I've seen people do it and been very successful with it. But you know, my my main goal is is to grow the practice quickly. I I, I want to go from one to three hygienists, you know, and and just kind of fill up the schedule. So doing that without being an in-network. Provider with PPOs in a, in a quick period of time, it's, it's, it's pretty challenging, I could imagine. So. Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. Man. And then right now, currently, how many employees do you have? So with our,
1: uh, with our new associates doctor starting, I think we're going to be right around 11, 10, 10, or 11 employees. So I, 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 that's, through for the, the dental boutique office. I've got another five employees at the, uh, the implant
0: office. Gotcha. And then the dental boutique that's open four days out of the week.
1: Yes. So we're, we're open Tuesday through Friday. And then the implant office is like Monday through Thursday.
0: So gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Tuesday to Friday. How many ops does the general one have?
1: We've got seven ops fully equipped. When we first opened, we had four operatories and we had three empty rooms. So I decided to buy these massage chairs off Amazon. Best Amazon purchase I ever made. They were like $700 but they were like legitimate massage chairs. Like we can no. see at Brookstone. Um, so two of our rooms had massage chairs in them. And so if a patient came and was like, you know, or, or like the spouse of a patient or the parent of a the patient, they could go sit in the massage chair, watch Netflix while they're, while they you know, spouse or kid or whoever was getting their dental work done. And, you know, the, those times where the office is running a little behind, it's like, Hey, like, let's bring you back. Let's get you, you know, let's get you a massage before your appointment type of a thing. So it was, it was a little bit bittersweet getting the seventh chair in there because we had to say goodbye to, to the last massage chair, which uh, I, I gave to my mom. So I, I think honestly, she's probably getting more use out of it in the practice even more. So, uh,
0: yeah, I was going to say like, what'd you do with those? Man? Like, <laughs> that's nice though. That's nice. You know what I mean? Like that at the beginning kind of brought everything, you know what I mean? Like, oh, the boutique part of it. If you don't mind me asking, you need to give me exact numbers or a range. What's production and collections looking like monthly? So
1: I, I will say collections is not as high as production because we do a lot of Invisalign. So we've got a lot of, we we do office payment plans. It's 500 down, 500 volts. So we've got a lot of Invisalign AR out there. Um, there's also bad AR out there, which is something I'm working on cleaning up. I'm actually interviewing for an office manager. So I, I've been basically wearing you know three hats so far. I've been the, the dentist, the uh, CEO and the office manager. And so I'm bringing another dentist to kind of give off part of that hat. And I'm going to, cut myself down to to two clinical days a week, which will be nice and give me some more free time uh, to kind of work on expansion and everything else. Um, And trying to give that whole office manager hat to somebody else. So it's, you know, it's, it's been like that seven day a week grind so far. And and I know it's only going to get busier and we've got our first child on the way. And so it's just like, I, I need to, I need to build my infrastructure before I, you know, go completely crazy here. Getting back to the question, you know, I wasn't trying to evade it or anything, but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty transparent. I, I, I did post on a Facebook startup group, you know, kind of our numbers. So I wanted to show people what's possible. And, you know, I'm, I'm a really big proponent of the abundance mindset. Like there are so many patients out there. There's so much dentistry to do. If, if you just treat people well, build your brand, you know, market well, if, if you spend the money on the right things like marketing and, and things that actually have a return on investment, Anything's possible. I and mean, you don't have to be one of those startups that kind of struggles for years to, to become a full-fledged practice. So we, we went from zero patients in April of 2021. And by April of 2022, uh, we had done $1.4 million in, in adjusted production. Uh, I think our collections at that point was like $1.1 something. So, you know, we again, we, we had a few hundred thousand dollars in AR, still do. Uh, some of it good, some of it bad that we need to clean up, but e- either way it was, it was that quick jump start that made me feel comfortable to kind of do another startup. And that has me feeling comfortable to, to do a couple more startups here. So,
0: yeah, man, that's amazing. Well, before we dive into that really quick, the marketing aspect of it, how do you feel you've started getting like the bad AR? Like, what would you start doing? If you can restart and be like, okay, this is what I want to start implementing now. What would that be?
1: Yeah. So I, I think some of the bad ARs insurance, AR, and I think it's because we didn't really have good systems in place as far as dealing with insurance billing and follow up on unpaid claims and things like that. I did outsource that uh, like six months ago to uh, a company called Elevate. And I think from the billing aspect, they've been doing a pretty good job of catching up in the on the really outdated AR, so like that has that actually has gotten better ninety plus the AR. Um, I'm still debating long term as I add to our infrastructure if I want to bring that back in house. Uh, but I think that that was a big problem for us early on for sure. I try to keep barriers low for patients in new treatment, so we do offer every single patient financing whether we think that they want it or not. I'm a dentist, but if I go somewhere and I have the opportunity to finance something and terms are pretty good, I'd probably rather finance it than pay it up front. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, li- liquidity is huge. So, you know, what else do we do? Yeah, I guess that policies on like actually collecting the money owed maybe could be a little tighter. And we have kind of tightened them up as time has gone on. I think I was a l- little bit more lenient in the early going of letting patients split up payments more. And now it's, you know, we're, we're pretty strict. You know, we'll we'll let them, pay, you know, maybe half at the start of a crown, but like before they come back to be seated, to deliver the crown, they have to pay their remaining balance. And I used to spread it out more. And I think it earned us, you know, with some patience. you want to help people out and you want to make it easier, but like the bigger your practice gets, like the bigger the problem can become if you don't have good systems as far as collections go.
0: Gotcha. Especially if you're just by yourself. like you're juggling a lot. You kind of do have to have like somebody, you know what I mean?
1: I will say that the Invisalign thing on plan, I, I probably wouldn't change that. We haven't gotten burned much from it. I mean, the patients get a few trays at a time. They have to come back. They're on automated monthly payment plans now where it's like every month their car gets charged. And I, I really haven't had many issues with that. But I think for Invisalign, if, if you want to do a lot of Invisalign, it's really hard for patients to come in and just pay the full amount. And a lot of times they don't want to finance it. So I, I think that's the one thing where I'm, I'm happy that I offered the, the payment plan and I'll probably keep that going moving
0: forward. Yeah. What uh, finance company did you go with and like software do you have? So we've got Open
1: Dental. We use Swell for our new patient reviews and we've got Flex. So, you know, I, I've had people tell me like, oh, you know that Flex does some new patient reviews and stuff too. And like, I get it. But, you know, for whatever Swell charges monthly, like they're better at getting reviews. I mean, they're, they're the best that I've seen. And I mean, we've got 770 Google reviews for the Bell Boutique in like 14 months. So again, that's where that abundance mindset comes in. And, you know, I have been to say like, well, I don't want to spend another $200 on a software when I've already got a software that does this for me. It's like, well, yeah, I get that. But what's $200 a month that's going to like really excel your, you know, reviews? And I mean, part of it's just you have to still provide a great experience. You have to still ask patients for reviews. You have to send multiple review texts because if you send one text, most people like see it and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that later. And they don't. But then when you send like the follow up and the reminder, a lot of people are worried about offending patients or like getting in the way. And there may be a few patients here or there that have gotten annoyed by the follow up text, but the vast majority are like, honestly, they just feel guilty because they're like, we they did really provide a great experience. I did tell them I was going to write a review. It's on me. I, I keep forgetting to do it a lot of times like to those automated review reminders, we'll get responses like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I keep forgetting like, I'm going to do it today type of a thing. So you can't be afraid to, to maybe annoy patients a little bit as far as asking for their reviews go, if you really want to grow your, your reviews, testimonials and things like that.
0: Yeah, I like that. You can't be afraid to annoy patients. So let's dive into the marketing and advertising of everything. How many new patients are you currently getting monthly? The dental boutique office, we're
1: scheduling around 200 new patients a month right now. So that's, yeah, that's, that's most of our practice. You know, if you think about it, we've got three full-time hygienists. We've got seven operatories to fill. You know, we're about to have two different doctors working there. I guess meet part-time, but um, so there's, there's a lot of mouths lifting as far as the, the practice goes and there's not a huge recall list yet because, you know, the, the recalls as the practice keeps growing, you know. Our last recall cycle, we just had our second hygienist starting, and our one-year recalls, we were just open. You know, we had one hygienist, so most of our hygiene schedules, new patients. You know, a lot of our treatments coming from new patients, so it, it's important that we kind of keep that that gas in the fire there and keep the new patients coming in the door.
0: Do you make the hygienist uh, do the recalls? I mean, scheduler. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of our policy. And again, like the first year, my my main focus was growth. In this second year, my main focus is structure. So I've kind of went from great to structure. We're trying to build out systems. We're trying to, again, I'm bringing an office manager who's going to help me build these systems and also implement these systems. Uh, I recently actually signed on with uh, the Dental Success Institute. So that's Dr. Mark Costas' consulting company. They're really, they actually, they give you like a, a systemization score when you first start and it goes up to 100. And I'm pretty sure that my systemization score was a negative number. So I, I kind of got a long way to go there with the systemization. But again, that's kind of how I wanted to do it. I wanted to to grow first. And then like, okay, now we've got this practice. That's, you know, a full-fledged dental practice. Now, now that we kind of know how we want to do things, let's make our systems. Because we did have some basic systems when we first opened. But like startup systems are going to work for, you know, a, a, like a full-fledged dental office. So... Hmm.
0: That's interesting. Okay. So then how did you grow so fast? What were you doing for marketing and advertising? Before we
1: opened the practice, it was a lot more ground marketing. I was getting out everywhere I could in the community, joined the chamber of commerce. It was, so I was usually putting my face out there, uh, going to, you know, we've got some local businesses that send a lot of their employees over here and that, you know, we've got a local restaurant that's awesome. It's called Mother's. We'll, We'll go over there for team happy hours or Christmas parties and stuff like that. So. Like that was really fun. But very, very quickly, as we opened the doors, I realized that I did not have time to do that. And I had my team do some of it. I actually, my brother moved from Pittsburgh down to Florida. And I was like, hey, man, like you're looking for a job, like you can help me out. And he was kind of our ground marketer for a few months. But that was right when we decided to open the other office. And so I was like, hey, I desperately need you to be my right hand man at this office. And so he's actually been our dental office manager over there. Since then, so our our ground marketing's kind of fizzled out time as time has gone on. As I've perfected our Facebook marketing, and so I would say other so other than the referrals, which you know that that base is growing, you know the bigger we get. But other than the referrals, I would say Facebook marketing is probably like ninety percent of the rest of our new patients are coming from Facebook. So,
0: gotcha. So, what are you specifically doing with
1: Facebook? So I do have a full service marketing company. It's called Energized Marketing. And, and they, what's really cool about them is they've got a full service call center that responds to Facebook messages. So I, I do all these Facebook ads. They're all like message-based ads. And then what happens is you know, right now with how much I'm spending on marketing, we'll get thousands of these messages every single month. And my marketing company will respond to these messages and try to get these patients booked for us. So You know, what what are we advertising on Facebook? We're advertising things that actually gonna draw people's attention and click on it. You know, like as much as you wanna be like, Oh, I I want the right patient who sees our value of our practice and things like that, most people scrolling Facebook aren't gonna see an ad that's like, Oh, we're a great we're a great family dental practice and like click on it and actually follow through. You need that shiny toaster to kind of draw them in and so you know, we, we give away free whitening to new patients. So we've got our free whitening ad and you do, you've got to click on the ad and send the message to kind of get the whitening going. We'll do like discounts on like cosmetic work or Invisalign. So like we'll do get one free veneer for every three you buy for the patients shopping around for, you know, course, some veneers and we'll do uh, like right now we're running our best special ever for Invisalign. It's like we're calling it our summer sale, but it's, it's basically like a couple thousand dollars off our normal Invisalign price you know, you've got to create the value. So you've got to, got to show like, like what's going to draw people in, but then you also have to create urgency and you have to say like, hey, we're limiting this to 10 people, you know? So like there's only 10 vouchers available or, or whatever it is. So if you create the value, you create the urgency, people will click on these ads and then you've got the system in place. You know, for us, it's our marketing agency with our call center to follow through. Um, and from all that, it makes the ROI for our new patients, you know, pretty, pretty affordable in the realm of things. Uh, not to say that I'm not spending a lot of marketing because I, I am. But again, if, if you want to grow and you want to grow quickly, like that's the last place that you want to skimp, you know, is, is your advertising. So,
0: Got you. Okay, man. Yeah, I like that. I like how it's um, urgency, right? Scarcity, one free veneer, SummerSell, right? For MSLine. When it comes to the company Energize, they're a call center too? So I personally run a lot of my own Facebook ads because
1: I'm just someone who needs to tinker with these things. And like, I have figured out things I really like that work well, but you don't have to do that. Like, they'll, they also run their own ads for us. So like, they'll, they'll run all your ads. They'll, you know, post your website, do SEO, do Google ads. So like, basically, pretty much anything else that a marketing company would do for you. But they've also built this call center. And so this call center's been like, that that was a pivotal thing because I actually I kind of figured out Facebook ads, but I couldn't keep up with all the messages coming in. I mean, like I said, at, at that point maybe it was like a thousand a month. Now it's like thousands upon thousands of these messages coming in. So like you, even if I hired somebody like full time, there's no way that I think one person could keep up with all these messages. So that's that's where the call centers are really helpful.
0: So. And those are people who are like, yeah, I want the the free whitening, I want the free veneer, the, the yeah me. That's amazing. So what are some things that you figured out that work well on your own? And then you kind of like delegated that or told that to the uh, Energize?
1: Yeah. So typically like what Energize recommends is doing the free consultations. So like they, they actually aren't typically advertising for like the new patient hygiene visits. But for me, I'm like, yeah, that's great to like fill all these free consultation spots, but like I'm also trying to build on a schedule for my hygienist and trying to add, you know, more hygienists, all this stuff. So basically I kind of brought to them these whitening ads that I had found and like I'm running them, but they are responding to them. So like that, the, the whitening ads where the patient has to come in and get their cleaning and x-rays and exam done. Those are, those are kind of my ads that, you know, again, I, I had found through somebody else I was working with and kind of recreated to make them my own. And then. I've got the Energize actually running the ads and, and, uh, well, I guess responding to the ads. So,
0: yeah. Now, some people, cause with ground marketing, I do that too. Like, I'll I'll sometimes be like, hey guys, you know, free whining, just put your name and number down, things like that. Some, uh, quite a bit of people say or wonder, what kind of patience does this bring in? To you, what have you seen? I mean, it's,
1: it's definitely a mixture. So, you know, it's, it's gotta be something where you're open okay with that. You know, if if you are trying to build a smaller practice where, you know, you don't really plan to have an associate or not anytime soon, and and you just, especially like a fee-for-service practice or whatever it is, if if you want to build a small practice of only the patients that you want to see, this probably isn't the right tactic for you because it is going to bring in a number of people that are mainly just interested in the free whitening. And some of them, you're going to convert and they're going to get there and be like, oh man, I only came through the free whitening, but like, this is the best dentist office ever. I'm going to keep coming back here. And some of them are like, yep, got my free whitening. You're never going to see me again. So, you know, while we see a lot of new patients every single month, our actual like active patient growth isn't as fast because we are definitely having bad attrition from the people that are just coming for the free whitening. So that there's a downside to it for sure. For me, that was worth it because I I just was like, you know what? I just want to get as many people in the door as possible and we'll try to convert as many of them as possible long-term patients through our experience and the ones we lose, we lose. And, you know, honestly, like those patients, we're probably not really making money on them, especially because we offer like a $98 special if they don't have insurance and things like that. But again, at the end of the day, I think it's enough volume that it's, it's what's allowed us to grow this quick for sure.
0: Gotcha, man. Okay. And then how much are you, if you don't mind me asking, how much... For what you're doing, if somebody's like, I want exactly what Andrew has for Energize, how much is he paying? I am
1: spending around $20,000 a month on marketing. That's including my marketing management fees. That's including both the Facebook ads I run as well as the Facebook ads that Energize runs. That includes a little bit of Google Ads because there's, there's still some situations like emergency patients where Google Ads work pretty well. Um, but it's it's a much much lower percentage that I'm spending on Google. Every once in a while, I do a little bit of print. I'm not a big fan of print advertising, but once again, for our evisline summer special, we've just been trying to hammer that. So we're we're sending out you know a bunch of mailers, and I've got a full page magazine out or a local magazine for it too. So you know, kind of all that stuff put together, my monthly marketing budget for that office is around twenty thousand dollars, and my monthly marketing budget for my implant office is pretty close to that. It's probably $17,000, something like that.
0: God, how many new patients are you getting there in the implant one?
1: Not quite as many. Uh, you know, we've, we've got no hygiene. We've only got one doctor mm-hmm. there. But again, because our, our main focus and our main advertising is for all on four cases and, you know, overdentures, things like that, it, it doesn't take as many patients to, you know, to, to produce some pretty good numbers over there. So.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right, man. so then throughout this whole process, I guess from the moment you decided, let's talk about from the moment you decided to move down and open your practice to today, what's been some of the biggest struggles or, or fails or pitfalls?
1: It's a good question. I, I mean, I would say trying to wear a bunch of hats at the same time is tough. And so that's, that's why I'm trying to really put my focus on building systems and infrastructure and Kind of building a team beneath me so that I don't have to be the direct point of contact for all of my employees and and things like that. You basically feel like you can never stop working. And I mean, like for me, it's, it's like right now it's okay. I I don't have kids yet and like, I know this is what I want to do. I want to build my brands and all this stuff, but I mean, it wears on you. you. You feel burnout. There's days, you know, there's like Saturdays I wake up and I'm like, man, I've got like, 10 hours of work to put in today and I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to go lay by the pool or go hang out with some friends or whatever. So you've got to make sacrifices. I mean, I I definitely don't have the social life that I had before I started doing these startups and things like that. Uh, My wife's made sacrifices. You know, we don't have as much time for date nights or, you know, trips and things like that either. So I would, I would say that's probably the hardest part is just like the amount of work, the, the, like the length of your to-do list. You know, I, there, there's, there's times where it's like hard to even prioritize, like, what is the most important thing for me to work on? Or like, which office needs my attention today? You know, like, what's more pressing? It's tough when you've got like turnover. Like, so like I said, like right now, I'm trying to hire three employees and it's, it's because one, we're growing, but I'm also losing a front office team member who has been there from the start. So we haven't had a lot of turnover, which has been nice. But you know, when you do, it's like, all of a sudden everything else, I need to drop it because I need to make sure that I get these right people back in place and get somebody in as quickly as possible to kind of replace them and things like that. So yeah, I would say that's, that's been the hardest part for sure.
0: Man. Yeah. That, that is, that, what, what's been the mission, Andrew? Like, is it, I guess like the goal, is it more like, man, eventually I want to have like time, like freedom, things like that. Or is it more like, I just want to build this legacy. I want to do this. Like, what is it to you?
1: Yeah. And I guess it's like that old cliche of trading time now for time later. So like, I, I got it in my mind that, you know, while I'm still relatively young and before I have kids and all this stuff, like I just want to work as hard as I can to kind of build a business, you know, like a, a lot of, a lot of consultants here, a lot of people out there will say like, you know, if, if you're a dentist who has to work five days a week in your practice for the practice to produce revenue, you don't really have a business, you have to work a job. And so like Mm -hmm. I have heard that so many times and like, so that's what I was trying to avoid. Like if I'm going to build this business, I want to build an actual business where my wife and I the kids someday and like we can go on vacation and the business is still running without us. It's still producing revenue. And, you know, I I think I could have eventually got there, but I think it would have been a much longer road if I didn't set my sights on such fast growth and hustle and, and all of that stuff. So I, I didn't, again, I'm, I'm impatient. So I didn't want to wait 15 or 20 years for, for this to kind of manifest itself. I wanted the, to make it happen faster. And and so that's that's my goal. It's like future time, future freedom. You know, it's it's not like I'm trying to like retire at 40 or whatever. But like I want to have a well-run business that, you know, doesn't require me to work 60, 70 hours a week by the time I, you know, end that age for sure.
0: So Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's good, man. I like that. And then any last piece of advice you want to give to people who are probably in their first phase or they're like, I want to do exactly what Andrew's doing, or they're thinking about doing a startup. Yeah. I touched on the group thing four, but I,
1: I think having an abundance mindset versus scarcity mindset is like the biggest thing. Um, and, and like, you can change your mindset. Like, even if you're like, oh, that's not me. Like, I'm frugal. I don't take risks. I'm conservative with all my decisions. Like, you can change just because you've been that way your whole life. You know, I would listen to the great podcasts out there, you know, if you've got a new practice and you don't have a consultant already, I would try to find a great dental consultant who's going to kind of help you grow. You can't be afraid to take risks. I mean, there's, it's, it's very difficult to build a successful business, especially a startup business. You know, I mean, we're, we're fortunate that we're in a field where you don't have to be a great business owner to have a relatively successful dental practice. But a lot of a lot of the other professions out there, I mean, think about the percentage of restaurants that fail in the first year, in the first three years or the first five years. Yeah, you can probably get by with a scarcity mindset and without putting in all the work and without taking the risks. But you probably are going to end up 10, 15 years from now just having that same glorified job where it's like, man, I could have probably made almost as much money as an associate dentist at another office where I didn't have to deal with all this extra crap as I'm making now working like the same amount. And so like, if, if that's not what you want, then you've got to have that abundance mindset. You've got to take the risk. You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to invest in yourself. You've got to invest in your practice. You can't be scared to spend money that you don't feel like you have. If you find marketing that works for you and you spend money on the right type of marketing, you're going to see returns that are far greater than the money that you're spending as, as you build your business. So that would be some advice. And I, I think that can apply it just out of out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true, man. Man, I love that. Okay. Awesome, Andrew. Thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on Instagram.
1: It's just drdr.andrewvalo. I am on Facebook. I'm in a lot of the different dental Facebook groups. You may have seen me on there. I've got, because of all my different Facebook ads, I actually had a few different Facebook profiles. So I might be Andrew Michael somewhere. I might be Andrew Vallo somewhere. If you want to pick my brain about something, you can feel free to send me an email. I'll be honest. I may not be the fastest to respond, but I, I will try to eventually get back to you. Best email address for me is docvalo, BDS, at gmail.com. But yeah, I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to have me on here today, Michael. I, I've been fortunate, I think, with the growth. I mean, you know, again, I, I had my sights set on something and I put my mind to it, but at the same time, I, I do feel like I've been very fortunate with how quickly the office has grown here, and and I am thankful that I get the chance to kind of share what we've done. So hopefully, this can help other dentists that are starting their practice and early phase of their practice, or even dentists that are later in the phase of practice and they just want to grow and they want to. Create a, a business out of the, the job that they currently have. So
0: yeah, no man, we appreciate you, man. I'm excited in like a year from now to be like, oh, we're on practice number thirteen with Andrew. <laughs> How's it going, man? And then he's like, Oh yeah, oh, uh, whoa, well, gonna be
1: yeah, wife, My wife would probably kill me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Congrats on your kid, by the way, man. That's awesome. That's really Thank really you. nice, man. Is it? uh yeah. When 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 is your wife due? Uh, we're our due date's December fourteenth.
1: So. Oh, man, we, we, we don't know what we're having yet. Uh, apparently, it's an up somewhere. We're just deciding exactly when we want to find out. But uh, it's exciting. It's a little bit terrifying. I, I think everything else going on at the offices has kept me pretty distracted from it. But, you know, these next six months, things are going to get pretty real. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. So, we're excited to see that and like more of your transformations and growth and everything like that. And guys, if y'all have any questions, go in the show notes below and reach out to Andrew. And Andrew, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. And we'll hear from you soon. Thanks, Michael. Take care. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast this episode. Andrew, thank you so much for being open and available and letting us dive deeper into your strategies, your work, your life. We truly, truly appreciate it. Guys, please don't forget to scroll all the way to the bottom of the show notes to check out all the exclusive deals Our sponsors are giving you and that is the best way you can support this podcast is by checking out our sponsors so be sure to do that also if you want to talk to andrew a little bit more you want to talk to any guests you've heard in the past or you just want to talk about this episode then you can do so by going on to the dental marketer society facebook group and in there we can talk about the guests we can talk with our guests we can talk about the episodes go into further detail and so much more so Go in the show notes below and join the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. That link's going to be in the show notes below. So guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I truly appreciate you, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.